The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. I'm glad you're here today. You can go grab a seat if you want to. We're going to jump into our series, continue our series today of Behind the Music, uh, part two. Um, I'm going to have a little bit of fun today. I'm going to show you a blast from the past in my childhood, my boy band era days. Uh, in just a moment, uh, we'll get there. Um, but one of the things that I remember last week, we recapped our Philippines trip. Thank you for letting me do that. Uh, and I did mention that there were other trips coming. And so I just want to give you a quick uh, account for a moment of a trip that's coming up in June. Uh, this is a Guatemala trip, uh, and it is happening from June 22nd to the 20 or to July 2nd. Um, it's actually my daughter's birthday. It's going to be a fun day for us. But uh, this trip is happening, and I just want to just make it known to you that if you want to be a part of this trip or you want some information, I've got some information that I can give you uh, today as you leave. I would love for you to connect with me in the lobby so I can kind of give you some details uh, just to help you make a decision. I think one of the things we love about uh, who God has called us to be as a church is not just someone who talks about missions or gives to missions, but also goes. Uh, and partners with missionaries on a regular basis. So uh, if you're interested in being a part of our Guatemala team, uh, I want to encourage you to join us uh, in June, uh, and I've got more details for you, uh, but it's an incredible thing. The one thing I'll say is this. If you feel God is stirring in you, man, I want to be a part of that, or I'm interested in that, uh, don't let money be a reason you just decide to say no. I know God has provided in many ways, shapes, and forms for many people, uh, especially when they respond to his prompt to go to a trip. So uh, I look forward to answering those questions for you. Uh, please see me in the lobby. I would love to help get you connected so you can be a part of our Guatemala 2020 team. Um, last week, uh, we started this series behind the music. Uh, and if I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors of the Grove Church. We are one church in two locations. We have a location, obviously, here in Snohomish, which is where we're gathering. And we also have a campus up in Marysville. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on our team, uh, and I get the pleasure of being out here and hanging out with uh, some of my favorite people on a weekly basis right now and uh, being able to continue this series uh, behind the music. The heart behind the series is to revisit some of the songs that have shaped and helped shape church culture throughout church history. Uh, so last week, we hit a hymn that was called Come Thou Fount that was written in the 1700s. Uh, and this, this week, I was going to say this year, uh, but this week, we're actually going back in time a little bit, but sooner, back to 1993-94 era. Uh, so I just have a quick question for you. Where were you uh, in 1993 and 94? What were you doing uh, and, and can you remember that era of your life? Me, I was a prepubescent teenage boy at 11 to 12 years old. Uh, and it was during my boy band stage, as I alluded in just a moment. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to celebrate uh, my boy band era days. Uh, I had braces back then. Uh, you can't tell that necessarily now because I didn't wear my retainers as I should have. Um, so we live and learn. But this is, my, this is actually my siblings, my little brother, uh, who's the goofball, as you can see, my older sister, who I can't say what she, she is, but um, she's a phenomenal person now, but she was not the nicest person then. She liked to beat me up. Uh, and then my little sister, who I think was probably the closest out of my whole family, is Anya, Aaron, Ashley, Andrew, all A's, all AMDs. That was our initials. It was really confusing when I grew up because I was called Ashley and Anya and Andrew more than I think I was called Aaron. So, um, but that was me back in the day. This was 94-ish. Uh, that was uh, some, some sun in, if you remember that, what, that, what that is. Um, 
you'd spray this stuff in your hair. It smelled like lemon juice. It was awesome. And you had to stand in the sun for a little bit so that way it would start dyeing your hair uh, blonde. You can't really see it, but I promise you I'm wearing like this hemp choker. Um, Let's just say it was an era that I'm happy to forget but love to celebrate and laugh at back then. So, um, but back in the day, I mean, I was this prepubescent kid who, if I'm being honest with you, I went to church with my family, but I didn't really care about church, if that's okay to say. Um, I grew up in the church. Some of you know that story. Some of you don't. That's okay. But uh, I grew up in the church and didn't really care about it. Uh, I was attending because that's what my family did. Uh, and about three to four years after this photo, I, um, I made a decision to finally say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a chance. Um, I've, I've heard about these things. I've heard about these statements of who you are. And so today, and this was literally in a minivan driving across the country from Virginia Beach, Virginia, which is where I was in my prepubescent days. I had high-pitched voice in all of it. it was, I'm not kidding you. Uh, I was a late bloomer, apparently. Uh, so it took me a while to get a good, deep voice because uh, I talk like Mickey Mouse often. Um, so I still get razzed by my family for that all the time. But uh, I just remember driving across this van, quietly sitting to myself, realizing, man, God, I've never given you a fair chance. I've done this church thing. I've lived it. I've acted it out. And on the weekdays from Monday through Saturday, I just would play, go through the motions. My mouth sounded like my friends in high school and junior high. uh, And I never really uh, understood what it meant to give my life to Christ and to surrender and live for him. And so I remember sitting in this van next to my cat in the kennel, uh, which was not my cat. It was my family's cat. I'm not a big cat fan. And I remember just sitting there, just having this in, internal conversation, and I, and I believe it was marked by the Holy Spirit, where it says, you know what, God, it all started with this thought, like, this is a great chance for a new start. Moving from one place to the other is a great chance for a new start. And in that moment, I said, God, I'm going to give you a fair chance, and the rest is history. And in 1993, 94, there's this song that came out that didn't really impact my life to many years later. One of the things that I read uh, about this song that I'm going to hit in just a second uh, really has carried 20 plus years of influence throughout church history. When this song came on the scene, it was, it was a powerful song that all throughout church world was, was being leveraged and singing all throughout the world. Uh, and the, the title of the song is called Shout to the Lord uh, by a writer named Darlene Check, who was a very, very big influential worship leader in, in the Hillsong Church in Australia. And she wrote this song uh, out of a a desperate time, out of a a struggle. Uh, But the story she would say is not as extravagant as people expect it to be. And it's funny because I think that's really applicable to many of us today. Oftentimes we look for this big extravagant, like boom, there's, okay, there's my God answer. But sometimes God just meets us in the regular, whether it's in driving or driving across the country in a van, or it's sitting at home with a bunch of kids stressed out out of your mind. God wants to meet up and show up in those moments. Oftentimes, it's just a matter of how we're going to respond in those moments. Uh, There's a similar story in the book of John that I want to hit on for a second. Uh, And it's the story of Jesus after after he died and was risen again. He had shown himself to several of the disciples, but not all of the disciples had seen him yet. And there's a story of a man, a disciple named Thomas. Many of us know Thomas by another name uh, that often I heard growing up, he was called Doubting Thomas because he doubted whether Jesus really rose again. Uh, and, and it's interesting because I think doubt is something we all struggle with. Doubt is something you and I will face almost regularly. But I want to read this story because I think it's, 
it's fitting not just to set up this song of shout to the Lord, but also speaks into the context that Darlene Check was wrestling through, which also speaks into the context you and I will wrestle through in an ongoing way, whether we've wrestled through doubt, whether we're good right now, or we will at one point wrestle through doubt. But it says this in John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, I know him as Doubting Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Have you ever been left out of something before? If you're, like, if you're a family that has multiple kids, you have multiple siblings, there's no doubt you've been left out of something before. You come home and maybe your siblings got ice cream and you're like, well, where's my ice cream? Well, you weren't here when the ice cream truck came by. <sighs> what? You didn't get me one? You ever been left out before? That's kind of what Thomas, I think, is feeling in this moment. He says, but this is what Thomas said. I won't believe it unless I see the nail hands in his wound or his nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them, which first off is a little weird, but I understand what he's saying, right? Like, I want to put my fingers in the nail holes. Like, Thomas, we need to talk. Let's have a, we need a pastor. Can we meet with him? But he says, I, don't, I won't believe it until I put my fingers into the nail holes and then place my hands into the wound in his side. And I'll stop for a minute because I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Thomas says, prove it. How many of us in this room have had the same conversation with God? God, you say this, I need you to prove it. God, you, you promise this, I need you to prove it. It's the same conversation. Maybe you're not wanting to put your fingers in, in the nail wounds or in the side, but you're still asking God to prove it. So it continues on, verse 26. It says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Not being left out this time, that's a win. It says the doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, picture this for a second. You're in a locked room with 10 of your other closest friends and family members. Because I think the disciples would call each other family. Doors are locked. You're all hanging out together, whether you're playing card games or Fortnite or um, watching a TV. Maybe you're Netflix, Netflixing a show together. Doors are locked. It says Jesus shows up. And the first thing he says, peace be with you. First off, I think that's great because Jesus says he brings peace. But if someone just showed up in my room, I'd be freaking out a little bit. Who are you? What's going on? Like there's a ghost. So Jesus brings calmness to the nerves, says, peace be with you. And then it says he went straight for Thomas. And he says this, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Then he says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Jesus shows up. In the midst of Thomas's doubt, says, here I am. You want to you put your fingers in the wounds? Here you go. You want to you see the side? Check it out. There's my ribs. He didn't scold Thomas. He met Thomas in his need. And sometimes we have this perspective where we feel like we can't doubt. Where we feel like we can't express confusion or frustration because, well, that's not, that's not honorable. That's not right. That's not how Jesus would want us to respond. Jesus wants us to be honest in relationship with him because he cares. And so he meets Thomas in his doubt. 
And then the loving rebuke. You know the difference between a loving rebuke and a rebuke? A loving rebuke, you don't feel like you're rebuked. You're just reminded like, ah, yeah, that's truthful. And he says, don't doubt any longer. He uses the word in the New Living Translation, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then Thomas's response, and this is where, I, this is where we find this connection to Darlene Check's story. She says, he says, my Lord and my God. Thomas exclaimed. It wasn't like, oh, cool, okay, glad you're alive. Good to see you. You want, you, want to, you want me to deal you in? It was this moment of response and worship. My Lord and my God. Where all of the doubt subsided because Jesus got his attention. And I love the promise that's for you and me today out of the, out of the mouth of Jesus. He says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I've not seen Jesus. And according to this, I'm believing, which means I'm more blessed than Thomas was. Now, that's not a, a, pri- a statement of pride. That's a statement of truth that I get to rejoice in God's goodness and faithfulness to me today, to you today. But I, I want to encourage you today as we jump into this song for a few moments, that God wants to meet you in your doubt. He wants to meet you in your most vulnerable place. He has done it time and time again, and he will not stop, but he wants to continue. So I want to pray for our time together, give some context to this this song, share some thoughts, and then give us an opportunity to to respond to a, a song from 1993. So let's pray today. God, thank you for who you are. Lord, even as I read this passage, I'm humbled to remember that in the midst of my doubt, God, you meet me. And Lord, you know our stories, even as I've prayed earlier, God, my prayer is always, God, as you know our circumstances, as you know our context, as you know the ups and the downs, the difficulties, the hardships, the trials, and the victories of life, God, may I never forget who you are and that in all of those things, you are worthy to be praised. I pray today that we would leave encouraged. I pray today that we would leave having been challenged and inspired by you. Much like you met Thomas in the midst of his doubt, I pray you would meet us in the midst of ours. I thank you for your love and I thank you for your grace today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I will say this one thing about Thomas's story. We get a really intimate glimpse into Jesus and how he interacted with those closest to him. It's a really powerful moment we're in the midst of, I would even say, tension. Jesus shows up to bring peace, but also call Thomas to faith. This song, Shout to the Lord, is a confession of Darlene Check. As I've said already, she, is a, she was a, a pretty influential worship leader at Hillsong Church. She's no longer as a worship leader there. She, but 20 plus years ago now, she became a worship leader. But she was just part of the worship team when she was kind of going through life. She was a mom of multiple kids. And when asked about this song, there's a couple clips and a couple portions I want to read from her own words uh, that came in a couple different articles uh, that were just interviewing her about this. She wrote a book called Shout to the Lord uh, just to kind of recap this song. But the one thing that I, I was surprised by, but I shouldn't have been surprised by, is there was a, a, a poll in, in 2016 
that over 20 years, this song, Shout to the Lord, was still one of the top songs that were sung and leveraged by church throughout the world. It's a pretty incredible song. Uh, and so just here's an excerpt I want to read from this book uh, that Darlene Check wrote of how she came to write this song. And she says this, she says, I think God just means some songs to be written. It's very embarrassing when people expect some big dramatic story about a song God gave me in a time when I just needed to hear from him. I was simply in the right place at the right time. I really feel that God should get the glory from sending the song to all of us when we needed it so much. It just happened to come out of my personal worship time with the Lord, desperate for his peace. I opened it to the Psalms. I sat at our old out-of-tune piano thinking, tinkling the keys and shout to the Lord flowed from my heart. I sang it over and over, and it lifted me up. Over the next few days, the song stayed with me, and it began to dawn on me that this might become a worship song. Giving you a little bit of insight to Darlene as she was introducing this song to her church, she says, I was terribly shy and felt a little embarrassed when I mentioned to Jeff Bullock, the music pastor at the time, and Russell Fragar, that I thought I had written a song. My hands were sweaty, Check. Oh, there we go. If you know Darlene Check, she's a pretty infamous singer-songwriter. So for her to have a little bit of embarrassment is, is an insight to her life. My hands were sweaty when she's getting ready to rehearse this song and sing the song for them. She's like, I could hardly play it. I was so nervous. I kept starting and stopping. It took me 20 minutes to play it because I kept apologizing. Sounds like something I would do. It says, I'm sorry. Change anything you want. I know it's probably stupid. That's what she said. Eventually, I made them stand with their backs to me while I played them this song. And even when they turned around and said that it was magnificent, I thought they were just being polite. She says this, we introduced Shout to the Lord into our worship services, and it began to spread from church to church. Before we even recorded it, I began receiving thank you letters from people all over the world who had sung the song in their churches. Shout to the Lord has been covered, and I want to read some of these names because these are, these are big names in the, in the music industry and in the Christian context. It's been covered by Don Moen, Matt Redman, Ruben Studdard, David Bauer, Linda Davis, da- Danny Antill, The Zoe Group, Shane and Shane, Mark Schultz, Natalie Grant, Skillet, Keith, Keith Statton, The Crab Family, Peebo Bryson, I don't know some of these names, The Amen Singers, which sounds like a really rad name, Carmen, for all you who are in the, church, in the church world. The list goes on and on, but there's very, Michael W. Smith, if you know Pastor Ryan, I think he's coming here in a few weeks to speak. His biggest artist that he is all about is Michael W. Smith, but Michael W. Smith has covered Shout to the Lord. This song was becoming a global endeavor. There's an article that was written about this song, and I'll, and I'll kind of wrap up the story portion, but it says this, this globally popular Christian praise song was written by Darlene Check in 93. And, she, and it says this, it was written during a time when Darlene was struggling with money worries. Anybody know that struggle? I'll put both my hands in, my, in the air for me. And the stresses of raising a young family. Anybody else know that struggle? I'm right there with her. It says one day when she was feeling particularly discouraged, she slipped into the toy room where they kept their piano and put into song some biblical truths to which the stressed young mother was holding on to. In particular, drawing from the Psalms. And Darlene said this in this interview for Today's Christian Woman. I wrote it when I was feeling discouraged. 
I felt I could either scream and pull my hair out or praise God. Two vastly different responses to stress. She added, the line, nothing compares to the promise I have in you, was something I clung to when our circumstances seemed so bleak. I think that rings true to anyone going through tough times. This song is a deep personal confession of the truths that Darlene knew from God's word. If you can remember the song, you, you would, I hope you would agree with me, there's some leaning and some tendencies from the book of Psalms itself. The book of Psalms is a powerful book because I would say it's probably one of the most honest and raw expressions of human emotion in the midst of trial and circumstance and even in the midst of victory. Darlene wrote a song that leaned on the book of Psalms and the truth she remembers from this book. As, you, as we read through the lyrics of this song, you'll feel and experience this deep, intimate interaction with what she was going through. You don't know the context of her struggle, but you know the focus of her heart. Because I think if, I, if I'm being honest with you, Oftentimes, in the midst of our struggles, we focus so much on what's going on that we lose sight of the God who has it all under control. Oftentimes, when life is going difficult or, or just playing out like garbage, we're so consumed with the moments that we lose sight of the God who holds the whole world together. And I don't know your circumstances. I don't know your stories. I don't know the, the ups and the downs, the mountaintops and the valleys that you have walked through as a human person. But God does. And I'll be honest with you. There are times in my life that I've just wanted to give up and throw in the towel. There was a moment in, in college, my sophomore year, I just came back to Northwest for my second year. And it felt like everything around me was crumbling. I remember sitting in my dorm room at my desk, and the problem is I'm not like musically inclined. I play Spotify, and I make a joyful noise. Those are my giftings for music. I rely on the giftings of other people. So Daniel and Brittany and Catherine and all, the, I'm just like, take over. <laughs> but I remember at times sitting in front of my Dell computer. Dude, you got a Dell. <laughs> Wanting to cry because I was so overwhelmed. But my roommate was there, so I'm like, I got, I got to be strong. I'm not going to cry. And I just sit there, and I'm like, God, I don't care. At Northwest, I was spoiled spiritually because I had chapel three days a week. There was a Monday night gathering that was worship and prayer called Pursuit. I was involved in a youth ministry, and I went to church on Sundays. Six times out of a week, I was plugged into a spiritual environment. I quit. I gave it all up. Stopped going to chapel. I actually failed chapel that semester of my life, which was frowned upon. It was a pass-fail. It wasn't even pass-fail. It was just attendance. But I failed chapel. If you know anything about me, you know that I love Sundays. I love church. I love being together to worship God as a church family. It's one of my favorite things, which was the, one of the things that clued in. I was like, maybe I'm called to this ministry thing. I just love being at church. I gave it all up because life was hitting hard. 
My parents got burned in ministry. My mom was a children's pastor for many years. They stopped going to church. They got burned by the pastor and the leadership, which the, the bummer is that's, that's a more dominant story in church world than, I, than I'd love to admit. I hate it. I had drama from a girlfriend that I had dated on a rebound from my first love. I had to deal with that because I hid from it all summer. It was awesome until you have to stare face face to face. My youth pastor, who I grew up under, I was his right-hand man. I was there setting up, tearing down, praying. I I was preaching on a regular basis as a teenager. My youth pastor had just resigned as the youth pastor of my church because of some issues that he was dealing with. I came back to Northwest to get away from all of the brokenness and all of the hurt and all of the disappointment, thinking everything would be okay. And it didn't stop there. To a point I just gave up. Stopped going to church. I stopped going in youth. I stopped going to, to pursuit, which was one of my favorite environments. My sophomore year of college was the roughest year I've ever experienced in college. But I remember two things. One, I remember sitting at my desk. Vividly, I remember sitting at my desk, annoyed with my roommate because him and I did not get along. And I chose to live with this guy. That was the best part. Didn't get along. Saw completely differently when it came to things. And so all we did was just bump heads. Sitting at my desk on the verge of tears, not wanting to cry. And I remember in those moments, I'd say two things to God. Your word says that you're good and your love endures forever. I need you to prove it right now. That was all that I remember. That was my church, if you will. That was my commitment to following Jesus. I considered dropping out of Northwest. I considered going back home. But all I knew is that, God, you you say you're good and your love endures forever. And for the next several months of my life, that was all that I said. Darlene, in the middle of her struggle, comes to this point of this piano. In the midst of her toy room, the piano's out of tune. Sounds like the piano in my house right now. And she just started playing and singing the truths of who God was over herself. She starts off this song by saying, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. First off, how did she get there in the midst of the stress and the struggle? Because in the midst of my stress and my struggle, I'm like, Lord, it's about me, not about you. Yeah, you're God, but I need you to show up to me. And Darlene's confession was to remind herself of who God was. We see this in the Psalms. We see in Psalm chapter 40, verse 5, it says, O Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. In that moment, the Psalms came alive to Darlene. 
And much like Thomas, my Lord and my God, Darlene starts off in a position of humility. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there's none like you. This personal confession is one that's deeply intimate, deeply personal. The thing is, you can't just walk out of here today like, okay, well, I'll just quote that song and I think we'll be okay. It comes out of a deeply rooted commitment to following Jesus. It comes from a deeply personal interaction to his truths, that he is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he will do. She continues on, my comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. She reminds herself, and it's almost like soul speak. She reminds herself, she speaks to her soul. This is who God is. He's the great comforter. He's our tower, our refuge. Continues on, says our ever-present help in time of trouble. We see this echoed in 2 Corinthians 1 through 4, or 3 through 4, where it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the words of Paul. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles. It's an encouraging verse. He comforts us in our troubles. My comforter. But he doesn't stop there. Paul reminds us. So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, then we will be all be able to give, the sin, give them the same comfort God has given us. We see this with Darlene's story, the song. In the deepest need of her comfort, in the highest moment of stress for her, in that season of her life, God brought this song to life first to her. It was a ministering moment where the Holy Spirit was speaking and encouraging her. But then he leveraged it and platformed it and made it become a global influence. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. I love Psalm 46, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in time of troubles. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings to joy, or brings joy to the city of our God and the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. This confession is a response to who God is. It's amazing what happens when we stop for a moment and confess worship to who God is. Where we choose in that instance 
to remember God the creator who spoke the world into existence. Who cares so deeply for you and I. Bible says he spoke the world into existence, existence, but he formed man out of the dust of the earth. He was intimate. He was personal with you and me. He still is today. When we stop for a moment and we remember who God is, that's the power of worship. That's the power of the songs that we sing. That's the power of giving and tithes and offerings. We're stopping and choosing in that moment to remember who God is, to honor him, to worship him. He's the provider. Therefore, it's not as big of a deal for me to give. And, I, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. I just know the struggles. But when we make a decision saying, God, I'm going to honor you with the words that I speak and sing. Music is powerful. We talked about this a little bit last week. But when we choose to listen to music, it's powerful. The confession is powerful. She goes on into the chorus. It says, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let us sing. Power and majesty praise to the king. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. Psalm 100 tells us, shows us the same song. And then she sings at the end, I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Psalm 119.50 says this, Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Remember your promise to me. It's my only hope. This song is, is written and sang out of, an, out of a season of struggle, out of a season of doubt, out of a moment of high stress where it's either I pull my hair out and I scream. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old and I have one on the way. And there's moments my six-year-old or my two-year-old make me want to pull my hair out. Then there's other moments where I get super stressed out and anxious. The, the crazy thing is Thursday afternoon, I'm writing my notes, putting some thoughts down to this message, and I get a phone call from a gal named Adrian who watches my son. My wife watches her son on, on Thursdays. It's just kind of a, we, we're like family friends now, pretty much family. And she calls me, and she normally doesn't call me, and she's like, hey, I'm like, hey, Adrian. She's like, hey, I need you to get to my house right now because your daughter fell. She hit her head, and it's bleeding pretty bad. My wife was there, praise God. But it was, it was all of a sudden I'm like, okay, everything stopped for me. If you're a parent, you understand this. Everything stops for your kids. I get up, I grab my coat, my keys, jump out of the car or jump out of the, the church, go into my car and get it and go as fast as I can. And of course, you know those moments where something's going on with your kiddos and every slow vehicle possible is in front of you. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for these, these drivers who are driving the speed limit. Thank you that they're in my way. We get, I get to that house and this happened just Thursday. It's crazy. I get to the house and I open the door and there's 
Cole, one of the boys who's there, friends with my daughter. Abby's hurt, you need to get upstairs. Okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. I show up, my wife is, my daughter's laying on the floor. My daughter, my wife is there. My daughter's laying on the floor, my wife is there with a the, with the washcloth and a hand cloth and an ice pack on top of her forehead. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do. This is my first instance, right? Some of you are just like, oh, wait till you have like three or four, you'll be, this will be no brainers for you. But in this moment, this is my baby girl. Like, this is my girl. This is the little one. Like, man, this is father's joy. That's what Abigail means. This is my joy. And my wife is there and she's like, I need you to carry her to the van because we got to go to urgent care. I said, okay. I haven't seen the, the cut or anything. I pick her up. She's heavy because I'm weak. But I grit it out. I tough it out. Walk down the stairs, bring her to the van, set her in the van, buckle her in. My wife sits in the, in the middle seat. We drive to the urgent care, bring her in. They usher us right back. Doctors, or the, the, the staff comes and looks at it and then they tell us, here's two things you need to know. First off, we can do it here. Just we can't guarantee it's gonna look pretty because we're not specifically trained in this, but you can go to Seattle Children's in Everett. They have a North Campus who are more trained for this sort of thing, but they may send you to Seattle if she can't sit still. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> My daughter hears this word needle and she starts freaking out. We end up going to Seattle and Everett. And praise God, she sits there calmly so that she can get seven stitches in the middle of her forehead. Do you know the worst thing about the whole thing is? She was so concerned that people were gonna laugh at her that she didn't go to school the next day. Now praise happened on a weekend where I could let her take home, stay home a day so I can hang out with her, make sure she's okay, because it all happened so quick. But in these moments of high stress, what is our responses to these things? And some of you even know I'm pulling on some heartstrings, not intentionally, just sharing my life with you. This is my little girl who's six years old, who is all about High School Musical and acting it out and has the hip motion and the head motion all figured out. But in those moments of high stress, how do we respond? Now driving behind those slow cars, you know what my, my go-to was? Okay, Lord, be with my daughter. I pray you'd stop the bleeding in the name of Jesus. I pray you'd be with her. I pray you'd comfort her. I pray you surround her, give my wife the wisdom she needs. Rather than getting stressed out and honking my car and yelling at the cars in front of me, get out the way! I can't control anything, so I'm just gonna pray. In the moment of stress in college, when all of a sudden life was hitting me, all I could do was pray. The only things I can remember from all of my Bible training was your good and your love endures forever. And I couldn't tell you where it was in the Bible said that, but I know it said it. This song reminds you and I today the power of the Psalms and God's word because that's what Darlene wrote from. In the moments of uncertainty, in the moments of high stress, in the moments of the things that you're dealing with, what are you confessing? Are you able to worship God? Or are you so caught up in the moment that you forget that God is the almighty refuge? He's our tower. He's our ever-present help. That God is who he says he is, will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. Thomas didn't believe it. Thomas didn't believe that Jesus was risen again. 
Jesus told his disciples, in three days, I'll come back. Who are you, weirdo? Didn't believe it. But Jesus shows up in his need. So how do you and I get to a place where our first response is worship? I just have a few thoughts for you first. Someone said this statement to me today and I remember hearing it as a kid, teenage kid. What are you putting in first? Because that's gonna come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Ever remember that phrase? I used to hear it all the time, it was ridiculous. What are you listening to? Are you listening to talk radio? Are you all about the political conversations going on right now? Social justice? Are you choosing to fill your life with Christ-centered music? Worship. The one thing that I did in college that changed everything. I didn't sing the songs, but I had worship music going constantly because the only thing that I knew is God, you say you never leave me, so I'm just gonna put myself in a position and a posture to know that you're near even though I don't feel you. Are you listening to Christian I would even go as far as saying worship music on a regular basis. Because what you put in is what's going to make its way out. Are you in God's word daily? I get busyness, I get the life, I get craziness, I get our house being filled with chaos because you've got multiple kids competing over one stinking toy. I get the busyness of the demands of a job. I get the busyness of of being a single parent. I'm not trying to minimize those things, but are you in the word daily? Because you can't recall God's promises if you're not first investing time in them. Because what you're gonna do is you're gonna come on a Sunday and hope that this is going to be enough to get you through the week only to make it back here again next week. God does not want us just to barely make it. He wants us to thrive in the life that he's called us to. Are you committed to a daily engagement in God's promises and the word that he's given us? He didn't give it to us as a suggestion. He gave it to us as a weapon. Ephesians says the one weapon you and I have against the lies, the attacks, the stress of life, the enemy who comes at us to steal, kill, and destroy is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How many times do we enter into a room in a situation with our families, our friends, our loved ones, our coworkers? We're not even ready to fight. Hopefully it doesn't come today. Hopefully there's no arguments. Hopefully it's just, can I just get through the day? I'm gonna put my head down and I'm gonna grind it out. There's moments for that, (laughs) don't get me wrong. There's moments for that. But we're not called to cower. We're not called to be afraid. We're called to walk in confidence because the spirit God has given us is not one of timidity, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. The righteous are as bold as lions. Are we spending enough time in God's word to be able to leverage it to where it will come out of us, to where we can hold God? This sounds really weird to say this, but hold God accountable to his promises because he's faithful to fulfill them. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. He has fulfilled every promise God has made. But do we know what those promises are? Promises for peace, for purpose, for provision, for joy, for strength, for healing, for 
for power, for courage. That I can go before anyone and not have to worry about what I'm going to say because the Holy Spirit will give me the words I'm supposed to say. Jesus told his disciples that when he sent them out. Don't worry about what you're gonna say. Are we, do we know God's promises enough to hold him to it? This song is one that draws us back to remembering who God is. I've asked the worship team to lead us through it as we take a few moments today before we dismiss. And here's my encouragement to you, is if you've never heard this song before, that's okay, you're gonna hear it today. But my hope is that this song does not just become another 90s worship song that we remember when we were kids, but it draws us back to remembering who God is, the promises that he has made that we can cling to. That as Darlene would sit there in her piano, that this would be a moment for you to lean in and ask God to be who he says he is, to do what he says he will do. That it would cause you to right where you're at, either stand and close your eyes and raise your hands and, and worship as that's a posture, or maybe it's to sit with your head bowed, but to take a moment to worship God in unison with this song to make, let the lyrics become a confession of your heart in this moment for what you face. Because here's the deal. I don't know your context. I'll say this all the time. You're gonna get annoyed with me saying it, but it's true. I don't know your story, but God does. And he wants to meet you in it. So I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna lead us. I'll come up and dismiss in just a moment, but I want us to take a moment today to pray and ask God to meet us in our greatest need. So Lord, this morning, you're faithful. I'm th I thank you for who you are and your faithfulness in my life, even recently, but God, also through my history. And Lord, I pray that in the next few moments, you would draw our hearts back to you, that for some of us, maybe we remember this song. Lord, that it would draw us back to remember the times that you've been faithful, that you've worked, that you've shown yourself strong, that our confession could be my Jesus, my Savior, much like Thomas's was my Lord and my God. Lord, for some of us in the room, maybe we've not heard this song. Lord, I pray that it would be something that would draw us to a point of reflecting on who you are, that we could stand and sing in an agreement. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. So Lord, over the next couple moments, I pray you would speak, I pray you would encourage, and I pray you would move in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.